Connects Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. Back in 2012, Jesse Grossman was a recent college grad looking for a way to serve his community and make a few new friends. It was with this idea that Community Bucket, a nonprofit dedicated to building community connections through social volunteering, was born. Started right here in Atlanta, Community Bucket has now grown to Austin and Denver. Today, we sit down with founder Jesse Grossman and president of the board, JC Lucas, to hear how they're helping these communities make an impact where you live. Well, Jesse and JC, welcome uh, to the show. Thanks so much for, uh, for coming on. And I will let you guys decide um, sort of who tells the beginning of, of this uh, story. I know you guys are focused on different parts of your organization now, but um, t- tell me first, if you bump into somebody on the street, and maybe this is something that, that each of you can answer, and they say, so what do you do? What is your, what's your answer to them when, when they ask you that question? Let's see here. Yeah. Well, thanks for having us. Um, maybe, maybe I'll go first. Um, cause they are, they are different. Um, what we do. So yeah. Um, but we appreciate you having us. Um, we're excited to talk a little bit about community bucket. So, yeah. um, yeah, so community bucket, uh, it started, we've been doing this for about eight years now. We just had our eighth birthday, which is very exciting. Um, and we create unique volunteer events for young professionals in the city. And we started in Atlanta. Um, and now we're actually in Denver and Austin, which is exciting. Um, and yeah, so what we do is we bring together, so a nonprofit, you know, comes to us and, and asks for a certain number of, uh, volunteers. And we, Put that out on our platform and have young professionals all over um, the city sign up and then afterwards we actually a, a big part of what we do is social right so we curate unique um, volunteer events and then we um, have a social afterwards where we can all get together and continue the conversation from the volunteering the sweating together and then we um, have either some beer, some pizza together, um, and just get to continue that um, continued community building throughout the event. So um, we call it service made social, um, where you volunteer together, then you hang out. Jesse, I don't know if you want to. Jesse is supporting the the service made social. That's right. Yeah, you see. (laughs) I should be wearing my swag. I love it. Well, Jesse, it seemed like she she had that elevator pitch down to a T. So I would love to hear from you about the early stages of even just thinking of this. What were what was the process of how did you see this need and what was the process of of starting to figure out, okay, is there something that, that we can do about this? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, thank you so much for having us on. The, you know, it started in a very simple and straightforward way, which was I, at the time, uh, was working in consulting and wanted to volunteer. I thought I would maybe want to go professionally into the nonprofit world, but thought I should start with, I've, I was able to volunteer very easily through high school and college, and then going out into the real world 
it seemed more difficult than it needed to be to just show up and help a nonprofit and hopefully meet some cool like-minded people along the way. So that was really the basic impetus for it was um, feeling that need, starting to ask other friends who I knew were a little bit more involved, hey, how do you find that nonprofit or do you volunteer if so where? And there just sort of seemed to be this desire among uh, people in our age group that was, you know, you want to go out and do something good. You don't necessarily know where to turn. And uh, for lack of a better word, you can get lazy in terms of how much work we're willing to put in to find those opportunities. So uh, really what Community Bucket was about in the beginning and still very much is, although our vision and mission have evolved over the years, was just to really make it easy fun and impactful for people um, to just give a little bit of time, come do something good in the community, help a nonprofit, meet friends, and uh, have have a good time. So what started as getting people together to volunteer and then go to a brewery after, um, sort of over, the, over time evolved much more into um, what we talk a lot about now, which is really cultivating local community connections, really giving people um, a strong base, not only of like-minded folks in their local community who um, you know, we've had friendships form, several marriages form, relationships, business partnerships, um, all of the above. So giving people that connection to other people and then really also just getting to know their city better, um, right. knowing the needs, the causes uh, that are both important to them and happening all around us. So that's uh, that's a little bit of the the early vision, and yeah. we got to where we are now. Well, and it's super interesting because we've had a couple of guests on now that have experienced this theme of, like you said, when you're in school, whether it's high school or college, there are these built-in organizations that are there to foster community that make it super easy to meet new people, develop friendships, and then you're sort of in this bubble of you know university life or high school life or whatever it is, and you're seeing the same people every day. Well, when, you know, you get out of school and nobody's forcing you to, you don't have to have an extracurricular on your resume to, um, you know, apply to a college or nobody's forcing you to go out uh, and, and be a part of these other organizations, then that community can really just sort of disappear. Uh, and whether it's through sports or what you guys have done with service, you know, it's the, it's folks like reaching out to these uh, places where they can start to foster those same types of relationships uh, together. And it seems like you guys have, have sort of hit on that um, and, and done so at the same time as providing, a, you know, a, a, a need for some of these nonprofits that really need the volunteer work. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, especially with Atlanta, you know, it's starting here and it being such a like transient city, right? No one's from Atlanta. You never meet like, well, you know, I Jesse, am. Jesse and Jonathan, <laughs> both y'all, like, you guys are rarities, right? But yeah. everyone, you know, like they're coming here, they're, there's, you meet so many trans bleds who of sure. course like then own the city and love it, right? And mm. become Atlantans. But that's definitely something we saw, you know, when you, Jesse mentioned, he obviously was volunteering in college, was getting out there. But when you get out and you kind of like are trying to find your space, you're trying to find that community, <laughs> and have a desire to give back, have a desire to do good and to volunteer. You know, like we wanted to make sure that there's a space for that, you know, like on the regular. So we were, you know, originally we're doing weekends of good where everyone, you know, you could come out 
every month and volunteer and perhaps see some of the same faces. And we have captains that lead each event. And so you would come back and you would see, you know, Rob captain, you'd see Antonio captain, you'd see these kind of familiar faces every week, every month. Um, once we got going, we were doing it a lot weekly. So yeah, that way it like provides that consistency for a very transient community. Yeah, for sure. And Jesse, tell me those early days when you first start to formalize this, what does it look like in the, in the first, you know, weeks and months and what's the point for you and, and the team there that you start to feel like, okay, we have something more than just, you know, this loosely organized, um, you know, group, we can really you know, take the next steps into, into formalizing this and making something super impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so early on, we, uh, you know, there's a lot of exploration with nonprofits, first of all, to see, hey, we think this is a need, but what would it look like to bring a group of 20 people to your nonprofit? Is that even something that's beneficial? And I learned very early on that it didn't matter if I said people in their 20s and 30s, if I said millennials, if I just said a group of volunteers, as soon as every nonprofit that I spoke to uh, would hear that they'd say yes bring them we'll we'll uh, find a, a place for the volunteers so um, it was in the world of trying to find out if there's a market fit for for the nonprofit side very easy uh, so once that really was confirmed the I mean the first step was that I had a lot of uh, sketching out of what it could look like and five years down the road what it could be uh, but really it just heard to us, hey, let's do an event and see what happens. And that very first event was at uh, Red Brick Brewery back in August of 2012. And we had seven different nonprofits that we lined up in that morning. And we had about 75 people show up. So at that point, we did come up with Service Made Social. We did have shirts printed thinking, hey, let's go ahead. And I was in branding at the time, brand strategy. I thought, might as well put a brand to the, the thing that we're doing here. Of course. And everybody showed up, had a great time. It was, I didn't have 75 friends at the time. So <laughs> it was definitely beyond my social circle, but everybody was asking, hey, when's the next one? And that was a really good indicator of, for one, we didn't think ahead past this first event, but for two, there's obviously a need and people want to come back. So um, that was really just a great built-in uh, early on validation of, hey, we're doing yeah. something with people that is striking a chord with people. And from there, it became really about finding those right nonprofit projects, which we could talk about, uh, finding the right size of group, uh, way to attract more people, keep people coming back, but also encourage people to bring their friends uh, were some of the, the early on questions that we were tackling. Yeah, and that transitions great into another question of, okay, you sort of build this format of helping nonprofits through um, providing volunteers. In a city like Atlanta, especially, there's no shortage of nonprofits or needs to be met. How do you start to figure out, okay, how, how are we going to attack this? What needs are we going to meet, uh, meet? What's the vetting process there? Yeah, so one thing, oh, so. I'll, I'll say, and then JC can weigh in. Uh, one thing that we realized early on was there are a diverse range of interests. Mm. So we didn't want to just pin ourselves on, if this is a volunteering group for 
feeding the homeless or uh, sure. urban gardening or park cleanups, but rather offer a variety because for every person who hates pulling out privet in a park, there's someone who hates doing something else. And I won't call out any of the projects, but um, there's, you know, we want to give people what they want and, and appeal to that variety of interests. And then it really became about, you know, we definitely narrowed in on smaller nonprofits. And I say smaller in terms of resources. Um, some of them were newer, some had been established, but uh, groups like uh, Concrete Jungle that were just getting started around the time we were and have continued to grow, uh, which we've been able to grow alongside many of these local Atlanta nonprofits, which is great, but we didn't want to bring groups to the organizations that everybody's turning to already because not because they're not that worthy of it, but because they have a lot of volunteers and uh, there's a lot of other organizations that have that gap. So that was our approach early on was let's find those more what we called grassroots organizations um, and then just trying them out. And if a project went well, we'd over time just be developing great relationships with them and fixing issues that might come up that are unexpected to us or them. Um, but not every, not every nonprofit is a good fit for the community bucket model as it's been traditionally, which is just, you know, bringing out a, even a group of 10 can overwhelm certain nonprofits. So there were times uh, in the early days and even still today where we'll try something new and it works out well, or it doesn't work out and uh, no fault to anybody, but um, just, it's like a learn by doing, Sure. Yeah, one big thing that we found um, early on, obviously, Jesse and um, some of his like initial crew had done a lot of the groundwork, like reaching out and trying to find those nonprofits. And then I think the nonprofit world is also a little, it's a little small and a lot of people talk. So we ended up, we had a form early on on the website where it had said, it said submit projects, right? So for the nonprofit to actually go ahead and request, we need this many volunteers this day, this, um, this is kind of the project details. And so we also found um, just others were telling people about it. And so there was, there's actually been times where we can't fulfill uh, all of the requirement or all of the requests because, you know, whether, whether we didn't, we didn't feel like there was, you know, a good fit there, or maybe there was just not um, enough people because <laughs> we'd already got six projects lined up for a weekend, you know, so we early on had to figure out how, you know, how do we, how do we make sure we, that it's a good project for, you know, both parties and, and that it was also something that um, we'd be able to do well. Cause we, you know, like one, one, one big important thing was us was with the organization and at a, like all overarching perspective is quality, right? So we weren't just going to send someone, you know, a couple people out to do a huge project or 80 people to do say, you know, like a, a park cleanup in a 20 foot park. Right. So, cause we, that, it, you know, we'd, we'd have people standing around and such. So sure. yeah, we had a, a lot of vetting early on, depending on the project. Yeah. Well, and, and JC, you know, I'm interested to hear your, your standpoint of okay for jesse you know involved in the super early stages like the idea of okay let's get this thing started and so he's invested but you seeing this from the outside what was it about community bucket that struck a chord with you and said hey this is something that that i'm really interested that i want to be a part of yeah sure i'll tell you i was one of the we have like some 
people who just have like come come alongside us and really support us. I was definitely one of those early on super brand fans. Jesse probably, you know, might refer to me as a super bucket freak, but it's <laughs> just because the concept is in my head. I mean, obviously I'm biased now, but it's a, it's amazing, right? To build community around giving back is to me a brilliant idea. So I'd heard about it from a friend. I was on a of course, looking to meet people, hang out. I was on a sports team and a friend had gone to that first event and told me about it. And I, of course, was like, what? This is amazing. You volunteer and then you hang out. This is brilliant. I was um, very interested in going. Uh, so I, of course, went to the next event and invited all of my friends. I invited slash made them all attend um, because that's what I do. I When I, when I love something, I want others to be involved also. So we, um, I got a, a big group of us to come. And then of course, like when I was there, I was, we, we did this amazing house project. Um, we were building different houses around the city um, and then went and just had food and drink together afterwards. And I, I think, I think I met Jesse at the project and <laughs> he was like, oh, you're JC. I think that you referred like 10 people. And I was like, yes, I made everyone come. It's amazing. Um, but I, Early on, I saw the value. I, I think that it's very important to be like connecting over something that matters to you, right? So of course, if the folks coming out are interested, they have they can have a desire to like learn about their city, but also give back. This is a perfect opportunity, and it gives it gives people a good way to have like really non awkward conversations, right? Like as I said, Atlanta is such a transient city. And how do you meet people, right? Like there's there's a lot of, um, are, do you want to go to a bar? You know, you might meet them at like a religious, say church or synagogue or something, but this gave it like a very low barrier to have like authentic community and sure. conversation while serving and then continuing over say like a, a, you know, a cocktail or, you know, hot tea or something wherever we were going that week. So yeah, I got, I was, I was a big fan. I was sold pretty early. Well, and you need those like brand advocates, especially early on in the process to, to spread the good word, as we like to say here in the South and, and build that momentum. Uh, and Jesse, you know, being a fellow, uh, a fellow brand guy, I'm curious, how did you settle on Community Bucket, uh, the name and, and sort of where did that come from? It's so funny. I still have the, the notebook where I was, and I've shared some of the drawings early on and names that I've written down with JC and others, but um, I still have that. And every now and then we'll go back and look at all of the names that we were considering and really bad ones. Um, I, you know, the, that connection to the community always was there. And so that made sense. Um, the bucket really just came from, I was thinking about different, uh, objects that might symbolize something relating to what we do and the the it was everything from it's you know it's not just a drop in the bucket to do good and then thinking about a bucket in a like a bucket of water in a rural village somewhere that might everybody be filling up with water and that can provide so there was a number of different um, initial thoughts around that but it just flowed and yeah. definitely flowed a lot better than a lot of uh, a lot of the other names I was considering. And then um, shout out to my good friend, Danny Chapman, who created the logo that we still have today. And uh, 
yeah, people didn't hate it. So it sounded yeah. good to people. So we just went with it. And then um, about the branding, the, the shirts, like I mentioned, um, we made those early on koozies. And that was actually JC was, she won a shirt because we were giving out shirts to anybody who would refer at least three friends. And even though JC was brand new, I kept seeing this name come up of, okay, I guess I got to give her a t-shirt. <laughs> and um, yeah, so as, as much as we've, like we've built that into the experience too. And um, you know, it's always, I love seeing people who, some of us, myself included, still have shirts from the original days and um, just uh, give something, you know, make it good quality, but something that people would actually want to wear. And right. I think as it was somewhat insubstantial, but um, I do think that that helped a lot in the early days of just getting that brand awareness out. Yeah, and even just, you know, probing some questions, you know, from friends when you're, when you, when you're out and you've got the t-shirt or the hat, the, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it might be is, is crucial into, because you want those conversations to start. You want the questions to happen because then you get an opportunity to, to tell the story, um, you know, without the door knocking, you know, of saying, Hey, you know, give us money or come help us do whatever we need to do. You know, it's always better when that conversation happens organically when you're talking about a nonprofit. So that's, uh, that's super cool. There, there was one time, Jonathan, that I was actually in Nashville and I spotted across the restaurant, some girl just wearing a community bucket. Nice. Nice. That's, we made it. <laughs> that's a good moment right there. Yeah. 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 It's funny you said that because, uh, my brother was just telling me, uh, a story this weekend that was something similar. Like he was at an event and, um, you know, saw like a, a guy with a camera and being a production company ourselves, like he struck up a conversation with the guy and the guy asked him what company he was uh, working for. And you know, he said the name of our, our company, He's like, Oh, is that the company that does Atlanta born and brand? And this is like, you know, we're, this is a small potatoes podcast. Let's not get it wrong here. Like this is not a, a huge deal. And he was like, yeah, it is. You, he's like, Oh, I was just listening to it the other day. It's like, nice. all right, here we go. Like conversation. Good feeling. <laughs> that is a good feeling. But no, swag is important. Let's not get it wrong. Swag is very important. Um, and having good swag, you know, and not the like uh, credit card t-shirt, you know, that, you know, you'd rather use to wash your car than, you know, put on your back. And, and I will say, JC, so in addition to the incredible passion that she overwhelmed me with at that first event and said, I want to do this. How do you do this for a living? Uh, the, so she's a brilliant designer and that's sort of where she come or her professional background started there. So um, as much as I take credit for the name, the actual brand that we've built, there were some questionable things that we were doing early on, but in terms of like building out that good look and feel and um, just staying true, that's one area that made it such a great partnership to have, uh, JC involved so early on was we both recognize the importance of it. I'm sometimes better with the words and she's sometimes better with the, the mm. visual. Well, it's a good, good combination to have yeah. there. Very yeah, good. For sure. Yes. Well, and even the, the bucket aspect, you know, you talked about like a drop in the bucket or something that sort of uh, symbolizes community. So our studio here, uh, we have a studio in Lilburn, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta. And in the history of Lilburn, um, there's a group called the Bucket Brigade, which there was a big fire here in like 1910 or 1920, excuse me. And uh, 
the history goes that the community literally saved uh, the town by creating a bucket brigade where they literally all just lined up with a bucket from somebody's well with water passing it and dousing the flames before it could reach the residential part of the community. So there you go. There's another story for you. That's just like literal like bucket brigade, you know, community teaming up together to, to meet a need in this case, a very serious one, but uh, yeah, it makes a ton of sense. So yeah, we'll have to use that next time we volunteer up near you. There you go. Bucket brigade. It'll, it'll ring a few bells for you for sure. But well, awesome. Well, now that we talked a little bit about the history, um, you know, we talked a little bit before we, we hit the record button just about um, 2020 and the challenges that it's presented to all of us. You guys being a very face-to-face service organization, I'm sure we're hit with the realities that COVID-19 was presenting really early on. And I'm interested to hear about the conversations that you had um, on the inside of the leadership team about, okay, how do we weather this storm and continue to provide uh, these services through a time where, you know, we're all supposed to be in our houses or six feet apart or wearing masks or whatever that might be. Yeah, it's been, we've had many conversations. <laughs> it's been um, a lot. Uh, maybe I'll start about the, be- I can talk about the beginning of it. Um, and, you know, Jesse maybe can speak to kind of like where we're at now. But um, early on, of course, um, right, you know, like right away, we do in-person events. I mean, that's like what we do. So um, we had to think kind of a little bit more strategically and how can we still provide something, right, to like to both parties, right? So a lot of nonprofits, um, they ended up, they were fine with not doing in-person events, but maybe they had a, a need that could be virtually done. And same with, you know, early on when there wasn't Zoom fatigue, um, we were, we were actually, um, hosting a lot of virtual volunteering events. We did, um, we launched a new initiative probably in, I think it was May, Jesse, April. It was called um, Impact Where You Live. Impact Where You Live. Um, And so the vision was to volunteer together virtually. We had um, a lot of, captains who are, you know, the people that kind of help our event and our, our events go in person. So we had them lead different crews all over the United States, actually, because we could do it virtually now. Um, so we were able to reach a lot of, um, a lot of partners, nonprofits who were needing, you know, like senior centers were really, really looking mm-hmm. for a lot of volunteering sure. um, from, you know, to support their staff, but they're also um, like residents and same with like hospitals. And we had a lot of people making masks. Um, stepping up and organizing virtual 5k runs to um, raise money for different organizations of their choice and then they'd have a virtual happy hour and they'd eat local they you know take out and order so like we saw tremendous tremendous outpouring of a lot of community building as best you could do digitally um, which was super exciting yeah. And then we've also transitioned that um, we have a, we have one initiative called tech gives back that we've been doing for, I think this is our fifth year now doing it um, where tech uh, in Atlanta, specifically tech uh, companies come together. They volunteer together, very similar format that we do for our weekends of good and our regular programming. Um, so we've transitioned that to virtual as well. And we've seen mm-hmm. a lot of good success, but of course we've had a lot of conversations and what does it look like to 
you know, continue virtual volunteering? Is there that Zoom fatigue? Um, how can we, as we start to get back to those in-person volunteering opportunities, how can we support that organizationally, right? Because there's a lot of people who feel differently at different levels. So we want to make sure. sure we're providing like the safest environments, the safest opportunities. So that's kind of, yeah, um, where we're at now is we're exploring those opportunities as nonprofits come to us and, you know, have a request. We're having to evaluate and see what, you know, what is the opportunity? What does that look like? You yeah. know, what will it be moving forward? Makes sense. Mm -hmm. And Jesse, maybe you can pick up from there with just, okay, I think we all, you know, hope and pray that the end is, is you know, going to happen uh, as far as global pandemic and there will be a time where we can um, you know, meeting groups and we can go out for happy hour and feel safe about it. We can volunteer, um, you know, physically, um, you know, in locations. When that does happen, what do you see um, for Community Bucket as far as uh, moving forward and, and kind of goals? I know you guys have, had already expanded to a couple more cities, but what do you think the future holds for, for Community Bucket in that regard? Yeah, um, it's, such a, it's still a difficult question to answer simply because, um, you know, what we're up against, as is every company, every organization trying to plan, is timing. Sure. Right. If we knew that 2021 was also going to be a wash, but then we'll be back to normal, um, it'd be a little bit easier. But in, the, in light of we never really have any certainty, uh, the, you know, from this, one of the big things that we realized early on is and as much as those conversations and meetings that we were having were very tough about hey we have to suspend all of our programming we literally are not legally allowed to do what we're doing uh, yeah. because we're more than two people in some cities uh you know that also revealed i think for everyone this renewed sense of the importance and how much we value in-person connections and uh realizing that, hey, if you don't support your local community or have that local community supporting you, it's tough and it still is for a lot of people. So um, through all of this, you know, I think as much as it's been a challenge, it's also given us renewed hope that, okay, we're at least on to, we're in the right track in terms of what people are really valuing. And that, as I said before, that cultivating of community connections, people want it now more than ever. Uh, yeah. As we go forward, I mean, we're looking at, you know, it's really an opportunity, which is exciting to us uh, to potentially do a complete overhaul of what Community Bucket looks like, if that's what's needed. Um, we may be able to start going back to more normal events and just controlling the size. And as long as people are masked and feel okay with it, um, we could do that. But we definitely during this period did not want to um, do it hastily or have like make any mistakes and have anybody get sick or do anything that would uh, be detrimental to the community. So these past couple months, we've continued to do just that virtual programming and looking forward, you know, it could be that we're able to achieve the real essence of community bucket with small groups. Uh, and it's so great. We were looking at, you know, what it, what it could look like to have fewer but larger projects that um, maybe we just are outside and if the weather's bad, the weather's bad, we just, we do it because that's what we need um, or other ways to just keep people more engaged. So 
the we're looking at a bunch of models as to what that could look like, but know that the the mission of what we're working towards, this the core of that is still important and as valuable as ever to us. And uh, yeah, so there's a lot of unknown. Didn't yeah, really, I don't sure. know if that answers your question, but. No, it does, but it, it also, like it's a double-edged sword, right? Because it's, you know, there's probably not been a time in recent memory where nonprofits need help more than right now. Um, from an economic standpoint, from a volunteer standpoint, all of these things, your organization is built to literally provide that. So I know it's got to be frustrating when, um, you know, when you're hamstringed by, uh, like you can't do it. You just can't do it. There's not a way to, to safely do that. But at the same time, as restrictions are lifted, hopefully soon, um, uh, as a result of, of moving in the right direction from a health standpoint, I would like to believe that you guys as an organization would be, would be well positioned to meet those needs quickly and efficiently. Um, and maybe even that provides, you know, a, a boom season for you guys of things open back up and nonprofits are, are ready to, um, you know, accept volunteers and you guys are, are there ready and waiting to, uh, to provide those for them. Well, that's our hope that there's such pent up demand right now for just sure. going and being around people and being able to meet new people. And as good as Zoom is for other purposes, it's very difficult to build new relationships. Good. Yeah. It's one thing to keep in touch with friends you already have, but uh, right. it's just difficult for our model. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I talked to a guy on the phone earlier today who said, I ha my wife and I had dinner with a friend last night for the first time in seven months. And you're just like, it makes you appreciate, you know, the things that we really took for granted, which I'm sure is the case for a lot of people that are involved with you guys' organizations uh, and, and for you uh, in particular. But JC, tell me in this time, as we're all kind of, you know, waiting for that green light to, to do some of these things, how can people get in touch with you guys to, let you know of either needs of their nonprofit or to um, uh, to volunteer even in the midst of this. How can they, how can they find you and, and reach you guys? Yeah, of course. I mean, they can always visit our website, communitybucket.com. We um, we're in the midst of, as Jesse said, doing we're having a lot of conversations. So this month, um, we'll. Uh, I think at the end of the month, meet with our board of directors. Mm -hmm. And so we're constantly having those chats. Um, you can always email, of course, info at communitybucket.com. Um, so, and hopefully there'll be updates soon as to what that looks like, right? Especially, you know, when it gets colder, those needs change anyway. And of course, as we continue to monitor the situation, the needs are going to be updated and changed as we see fit. So, yeah. Always our website, our social too, you know, um, we have an Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of the things. So they can always follow us there and we update pretty regularly when we have something to, to update about. So, sure. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I think I speak for everybody on, on our end uh, at the podcast uh, to say, love what you guys have built, what you're doing for our community here in Atlanta. And now for, for other cities, we wish you all the best in continuing to to grow that and we hope as um, hopefully pandemic restrictions get lifted, that really provides you guys with an opportunity to, to do what you do best. So uh, well wishes on this end. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time today. And like I said, let us know if there's anything we can do on our end to, to help out. Thank you.
Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you so much, guys. We Absolutely. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thank Bye. you. To keep up with the latest from the Community Bucket team and make an impact where you live, head to communitybucket.com. Make sure to also give them a follow on social media at Community Bucket. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you'd like to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectatl.com. Make sure to subscribe to Atlanta Born and Brand and Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're at ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hilliard. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.